Drifts towards Yao. Heads it across. Pepper! What a finish! Borg still moving forward. It's Ashton Morgan in close! Here's one Yao looking for Burgess! It's two! Deflected! What a stop from Ingham! And the finish from West Timoteo! There's the pass! The post at the back is where we find Sam Salter! That's a pretty good ball and yeah. Salter! What a finish that is! There's a strike from well out from Sergio Camargo! Headed down, Ponce with an acrobatic shot! Off the foot of Mason Trafford and into the back of the net. Ballard with a chance here and it's into the back of the net. Special Thursday edition of the CanPL.ca newsroom. And with that, the Mitchell Tierney, Charlie O'Connor Clark dynamic duo is back to take you through the oh week. Boy. <laughs> and a bit that was in the Canadian Premier League ahead on today's show. We'll talk about bicycle kicks, Cavalry's rise to the top of the table the Canadian U-20 national team, and plenty more. We'll also be joined by York United President and GM Angus McNabb to discuss a monumental move for the club as they confirm the transfer of Diodine Abzi to France. But before we get to all that, there have been five matches for you guys in the league since the last time we spoke, and we'll run through them for you quickly. This past weekend on Saturday, Cavalry defeating Halifax 1-0 courtesy of an Airbnb Pebble volley, while Forge delivered a dominant performance at home on Sunday against Pacific, winning 3-0. Tuesday saw a nil-nil draw between Atletico Ottawa and York, as well as a Samuel Salter double to give Halifax the win over Edmonton 2-1 at Clark Stadium. And finally, last night, Calvary go top of the table with a 4-2 win against Valor. And Charlie, yet another week where we see some incredible goals, plenty of goals in general in the Canadian Premier League. But yeah. us, in our infinite wisdom, have chosen to start with Atletico Ottawa versus York, the nil-nil draw <laughs> of the week. And, um, you know, again, draw being the the opportune word. Eight times now, after nine matches between these two sides in all competitions, it's ended tied after 90 minutes. Nate Ingham said post-game that maybe next time the league just calls them and they split the points and, and don't end up playing the match. But I think that would do a disservice because... <laughs> You know, these have been games that have been very entertaining and very different each time they've been played. Yeah, that's kind of the weird thing is how different they've been and they've still all ended up in draws, right? I think we've had we've had nil-nils like this. We've had kind of closer ones where there's a goal right at the end to to save a point for a team. We've got we've had games with, you know, goals early and often. It's weird. These teams are just so they both make it's so hard to play against them. They're so difficult to beat and to break down. And I think that's been a hallmark of both York and Ottawa this season uh, for the first kind of third of the year, I guess we're through now. Um, so I guess it, it kind of makes sense that there'd be, you know, little to separate them. And, and in games like these, you need either a mistake or, or a moment of kind of individual magic quality to break through and, I guess we didn't necessarily have the one of those that either team needed to get three points in this one, as has been kind of the case in recent matches between them. But again, still, it's it's an entertaining one. You know, there's chances of both sides. There's plenty of drama and controversy towards the end there. Uh, as, as if you're watching on the video uh, video show, you'll see right now uh, on screen with the red cards coming up. Uh it's it's an entertaining one and, and you know a very you know important point i think again for both sides who will probably be fairly happy with that kind of result from a game like this going forward i think yeah i mean it's it's five straight matches now without a goal for york united and yeah. that uh, that continues to to plague them certainly as they slip down the table a little bit um but let's hear from martin nash after the game on what he thought was a fantastic performance, but, uh, you know, missing a goal. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a consistent theme for us, to be fair, defensive shape. We've, uh, you know, I think that's our fourth clean sheet in uh, 10 games, which is pretty good. So, um, you know, we limited to minimal amount of chances. I think they made one shot on target, and uh, I think it was from range. So I thought we did a good job in, in that area. They're a tough team to play against, obviously. Uh, you know, they uh, don't give a lot away and they've had the ability to have some guys that are dangerous and have the ability to score. So, yeah, I'm proud of the effort my group gave today and couldn't ask for anything more except goal. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at, at York, you know, it's it's crazy. Like, I think it's 
adding this past game, I think it's six now. They've underperformed their expected goals by six. Um, you know, what is it about this York attack that needs to start clicking? I mean, they, they have all the talent. They they seem to be able to generate chances. But once again, I mean, uh, a brilliant save from Nate Ingham. But, you yeah. know, you've, you've got to start burying eventually. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, York have kind of had to try a few different options in the attack this season. You know, they've they've had different players come through there. Obviously, uh, they they would have hoped that Austin Ricci would be a part of it, but he's gone down to injury. Lowell Wright is with the under twenties at the moment. Um, so you know, they they bring in in Hernandez, who's still getting accustomed to the side, and and Lissandro Cabrera as well. Um, Asazi Di Rosario has. You know, maybe maybe overthink overthinking a few things a little bit recently with some chances that have come to him that you know he would normally put in the back of the net and even would have earlier in the season. So that's in theory and hopefully something that they'll work out quite soon. Uh, I, again, there's when you when you have a new coach with a lot of players that you know haven't necessarily played a lot of actual minutes together. They've trained together, but they haven't played minutes on the pitch in a match together. Then those things do take time, and I think the the solace as Martin Nash kind of alluded to there is that they are still not really conceding a lot of goals. They're still defending very well and they're holding the ball and they're getting it to those areas. It's just that last little bit. And I know it, it it's kind of frustrating to repeat it so many times, but there's that little bit that's not clicking, right? Whether you need, you know, these players to kind of stay in these positions and to keep working with something that hasn't been scoring just until it comes off or whether you need, you know, a slight change, a little tweak here and there. I think that, again, the foundation is in place for York. Yeah, and I think that foundation is critical. And um, obviously, another game where defensively so, so solid. Like, Atletico Ottawa yeah. have, I think this is only the second time they've been held goalless all season and um, only one shot on target. And one thing they did especially well was just, I mean, Bassett didn't have much of the ball. Blue tablet barely touched the ball. Like, they were able to really shut down those key guys. And um, yeah. I, I, I think by and large like another fantastic performance after figuring it out too i mean early on in that match i think it was three times in the first 10 minutes the the ottawa press forces them to turn over the ball and all of a sudden you're concerned that oh this might be a long one for york and uh, ottawa is right. looking like the old self their old selves but um yeah it was it was really good for at the back of the, those veteran defenders adjust again and um let's let's hear from one of them is jordan wilson's thoughts on the match yeah, it's been great. I feel like we we feel like we've been cheated a little bit in our previous games because we maybe gave a half chance. Like last week, I gave a pen away. That's the only chance that they really had. Halifax. Uh, even tonight, we just said we just need to like lock up shop even that much more, five percent more, and we'll hold them to zero. And that's what we did. Now the other end is just we need to be clinical and punish teams because yeah, not many teams score on us. We have the best record. Uh, goals against for, for the for the season so far we just really need to find a little bit of spark on the offensive end and on the ottawa side of things um just you know a, a game where they didn't play particularly well at least up to the recent standard but they mentioned after the game just how important it was that they still were able to pick up a point all of a sudden you know yeah. Their, their unbeaten streak stays remained or stays together. And in a long season, you know, these these one points is as small as they are in, in a fine margins league like the Canadian Premier League. Picking them up is is still in, incredibly important. And let's hear from from their coach, uh, Carlos Gonzalez, on his thoughts on the match. Yeah, um, the reality is that, that there is a phrase in Spanish that says the day that you cannot win, don't lose. So today, I think that we can put that, that phrase on the table. I think that uh, it's a point that, that we can continue adding. And uh, of course, there are a lot of things that we can improve, but also the reality is that the, the last 15 minutes were tough minutes and, uh, and uh, it was a good point at the end. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's something that we've spoken about, I think, at other times this year with other teams. I think we spoke about it with Pacific earlier this year. We'll get to them later, but good teams find ways even when they're not playing at their best to get a point to get something out of a game right they they find a way and, and i think that's kind of something that ottawa are evolving into they're a good team that you know when they're not playing very well that things aren't going their way in a game they still manage to get something out of it yeah absolutely and another thing that that good teams do is uh attract 
international interest in their players. And that's something that we continue to see in the Canadian Premier League and uh, with York United. Um, something we, we saw this week is Didi Nabsi. Um, he's moving to, to Ligue 2 in, in France um, to join mm-hmm. Paul FC, who finished 10th last year in the table. Um, leaves with 74 appearances for York, uh, 8 goals and, and 9 assists. And he'll be joining them after the match against uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps. So that's, uh, that's you know, a good, uh, good for the club, I guess, that they get to keep him around for that match. And good for the club that, you know, obviously they're, they're attracting this sort of interest and, and seeing a player, um, you know, move to a very good level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's massive for the club, for the player. You know, Abzi is a guy that's been at York since day one, pretty much, since the very first year of the Canadian Premier League. He's the club's all-time appearances leader. He's uh, probably probably up there in, in goals and assists for the team. Um, just been one of the top and most consistent, most entertaining players in the league for so, so long now, right? And it's just so impressive and such a, you know, definite testament to what he's done in the CPL, what he's done with York uh, for so long that, you know, he, he sticks to this project. He commits to it through really several generations of this York team. And, and he gets that big move that he's obviously wanted for quite a while. And I think it's a very good one for him. You know, league does a very, very high quality league in its own right. And it's a, a league that has a very high level where hopefully he'll be able to contribute, but it's not just that, right. It's a league that can maybe be another stepping stone for him, right? League does as kind of Angus McNabb says in his, his press release here, it's one of the most scouted leagues in the world, right? It, it's not, it's certainly not out of the question that, you know, you play well there, you catch the attention of even a Ligue 1 team, and then all of a sudden you're marking Lionel Messi twice a year, right? So <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but that's these are the, th- the things that you think about. And obviously, York United have, have said that they've got a sell-on fee as well, or a sell-on clause in this transfer. So that helps as well, and I think they'll definitely be wishing Absey the best, and they'll be just kind of hoping that he puts in two more trademark performances in his last two games with this club before he, uh, he moves on to this very well-deserved move. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can only hope to mark the NL Messi. So that, that's, that's uh, that that's could true. be an incredible. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We start, we'll start in league there for, for Abzi. And then, uh, but like you said, yeah, there's definitely, um, it's, it's definitely a great league to be in from, from that standpoint. So, um, let's, let's move on here to another match from the weekend, that being Forge Pacific. And, um, again, if we want to talk about themes and, and things happening since the start of the season, Forge one, or since the start of the league history, Forge, once again, looking like the molds, their old selves, um, a big win against Pacific. And, you know, th- this is, Forge has kind of had to, to wait in the weeds a little bit while we've talked about pacific we've talked about calvary mm-hmm. we've talked about ottawa you know they haven't played as much they started the season a little slow um but now with with games in hand they're starting to really quickly move up the table yeah yeah they absolutely are and, and those games in hand are very deceptive because they've got so many fewer games played than i think most of the the table and certainly the teams above them so they're they they've absolutely never really been out of it and they but they certainly are not now they're playing easily their best football of the year. This was kind of a statement game for them at home against Pacific to kind of remind everybody uh, who Forge are and what they're able to do against a team that's uh, unbelievably talented, uh, has been very good to start the season, but has you know undeniably been kind of struggling the past few games, past, past few weeks. So, uh, you know, this is a pretty interesting tide turner, I think, in sort of the narrative of the CPL season. Well, let's turn the tide of this show here and bring on Benedict Rhodes, always, always an entertaining guest. <laughs> Benny, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, let's just get your thoughts on, on you know, again, Forge picking up another huge results in the Canadian Premier League and and really starting to, you know, once again, look like maybe the favorites, um, that probably them in Calvary at the moment. Yeah, he said uh, they're in good form at the moment, obviously building on uh, a huge performance against Toronto FC, of course, that was always going to be a game where they, they took something out of. And, and this man right here, Ashton Morgan, he, he's in top form at the moment. Uh, th- that left side of, of him and, uh, and Tristan Borges has been pretty good. Um, I think Borges has five goals in his last three games now. And, and 
you know, it seems like a lot of Forge players at the moment are kind of hitting their stride at the same time, which is, is kind of a dangerous thought considering they're, you know, already near the top of the table and, and now they're getting better. Um, here's another one, uh, David Chouanier and Abubakar Soko, or these two players are, you know, are are finding their good form. So Soko is playing as a midfielder now, finally, after starting the season as a right back. And um, yeah, there's, there's just, you know, firing all cylinders at the moment. And, and you said they have three games in hand still over Pacific, I believe. Yeah, don't look now, but Tristan Borges is one goal back of the golden boot lead. Um, this was a just again, just such a such a kind of trademark forge performance to come out with such a clear tactical plan. They wanted to press so high, right? They they really put Pacific under pressure. I think really both of their early goals kind of come from winning the ball, especially the first one where uh, I, th- I think it's I think it's Suzoko or, or possibly Hijabrapur that wins the ball off of Jamar Dixon pass and they play it immediately through. They find they find the the right runner into the box and and it's a good finish. Um, but I I think maybe more impressive to me. I don't know if I'll, I'll just see if you guys agree with this. But just the way that they're able to sort of mark Pacific's best players out of this yeah. game, right? Mark boost I think uh, I think Charlie's Wi-Fi might have marked him out of this show, but um, yeah, B- uh, Benny. While uh, while Charlie subs out there for a second, um, yeah, I guess just just picking up on that point, uh, Forge's ability. I mean, we saw it against Toronto FC, um, their ability to to really key in on other teams' best players. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we saw against Toronto FC as well. The the other Alejandro, Alejandro Pozuelo, and in this game was Diaz. Um, you know, they're forcing them to, you know, come come deeper to try to get the ball and, and try to just do anything. And and uh, unfortunately for, for Pacific, that, you know, kind of took Diaz out of the box where he needed to be to, to be a, the poacher that we know he can be. Um, obviously, he had a couple of good chances in this game, the one where he, he kind of dribbled through and Tristan Henry made a huge stop, as we saw in the highlights there. And again, in the second half, where he kind of skied over the bar. But, um, you know, we, we, they really miss Benny Aparicio, right? Like, they he, he does a lot of this work for them. Kind of allows Diaz to, to be that guy who can play as a poacher and 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 score the goals, but um, yeah, like Ashton Morgan, like this, he's an MLS caliber left back playing in the CPL, right? Like he's he's mm-hmm. he's very very good for this league. Yeah, let's uh, let's hear from from Ashton Morgan now on his thoughts on his goal and and the hard work from from Ford during this match. Yeah, honestly, you know, uh, pretty sure we lost the ball, but then uh, the reaction from all the guys that surrounded and hunted again. You know, led to the goal. You know, we were all on the front foot for a good portion of that game. And, uh, yeah, basically, it's on the front foot. And, you know, we got rewarded for the hard work we do off the ball. And, uh, oh, there, there he returns, Mr. Charlie O'Connor-Clark. Thanks for <laughs> rejoining us. Um, way too often. I bet I was making a really good point, too. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny how all your good points seem to come when they Yeah, they, they all come camera. off camera. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Charlie, maybe maybe one for you here. Um, you, you mentioned this um, the the way that Forge starts this game and, and the way that they they pick yeah. up the tempo at home. How how important is that against you know a Pacific side that would have been hungry to uh, again with having dipped in in results recently to uh, show what they can do against it, you know the traditional uh, big team in, in the Canadian Premier League. Yeah, yeah, it's massive, especially when you consider. Sometimes this hasn't been how Forge has started games. Like remember in Edmonton, they go down quite early in that game, I think. And it's not the start they want and they have to, they have to kind of build their way back from it. But for them to come out against, uh, you know, the first place team, a team that's started the season better than anybody in the CPL and just press them high and put them under pressure and really, you know, force them backwards really whenever they have the ball is just so impressive from Forge. And, you know, naturally when you go up by two, you back off the press a little bit at the end of the first half, but then in the second half, they're right back down their throats pretty much the whole game uh, from there to kind of make sure the Pacific can't find a foothold in this game, can't find a way back into it. And it's just kind of ruthless stuff from Forge to hunt for balls and to, to you know, win them in, in midfield on the wings and, and play them almost immediately quickly into those dangerous areas. And they end up in the back of the net fairly quickly. So it's very impressive. And, and again, I think, Ashton Morgan talked about it as a statement game of getting back to forge football. And I think that's exactly what that was at home. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's quickly hear from Bobby Smirniotis, the forge coach on uh, that statement performance. 
Yeah, I thought it was very good. You know, one thing we talked about is how good we we're going to be in the first 15, 20 minutes and, and set the tempo and, and really try and impose ourselves on, on the game. And uh, by the way the game went, we did a pretty good job at that. And I think, uh, you know, after after that, it gave the guys a little bit more comfortability and where they needed to be and what they needed to do. Pacific had a little bit of the ball, which I think is normal after you score two goals in that first period. And after that, I think, uh, you know, we we're very good. Just... We saw where their pressure points were. Uh, we had talked about that uh, before the game, uh, whether they were high in a mid-block and where we wanted the ball to be moving and players to be moving, and the guys executed. So once you do that, uh, if you've read the opponent uh, well as, uh, as a staff and as, as players, then uh, things start becoming easier on the pitch. Well, yeah, well, thanks for, thanks for joining us, Benny. We'll, uh, we'll make a, a quick swap here, uh, send out uh, Benedict Rhodes, and... We'll bring in um, from York United, um, Angus McNabb. Thank you so much for, for joining us here. Hi, guys. Uh, yeah, sorry. Bit of a chaotic <laughs> one. Um, but uh, obviously, I, I'm here in New York. It's the uh, announcement of all things FIFA today. And so I've been running around and uh, finally managed to find a hotel lobby to sit down and, and have a chat with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, exciting times for Canadian soccer and certainly exciting times for, for York United as well. Um, with, with the news around the, the move of Didi Nabzi. Um, Angus, I guess just what uh, what legacy does does he leave behind as a player who was there from the, the very beginning, worked through many iterations of the club and um, is still, you know, a, a massive contributor to this day? I think uh, like he, he leaves regardless of however things go uh, next week in the Canadian Championship. Um, he's made a mark. Uh, I think he's been in my opinion, um, sort of one of the most exciting players that this league's had over the last couple of years. And um, look, he's a guy that we just want to now go on to see succeed and do phenomenally well. Absolutely. I think, you know, as, as we spoke about earlier, Didi Nabsi, I think he's the all-time appearances leader for York. He's been, you know, just such an important player for that club. And Angus, you've kind of spoken about it before, but this is a really, really good thing for you guys as a club and, and for the league as a whole, right? To see a player, a young player, come from from you know lower levels into the Canadian professional league and impress so consistently for so long, and and to impress clubs around the world, right? That's got to be great for for you guys as as a club and just for the league in general. Yeah, uh, he he's earned this opportunity. Um, it's great for us as a league, but for him personally, he's earned it. He deserves it. Um, he's worked incredibly hard. He puts in a lot of work. Uh, when we look at our GPS data, like in terms of high-speed meters run, it's normally him topping it week after week. Um, and what he's done and, and put in for our, our football club, he deserves a chance. Um, and I think it's the right club, the right level. He's going into an environment and a situation where they really, really wanted him. Um, and this was some MLS interests, both Canadian MLS clubs, others in the States, some other clubs in the same division that he's gone to. Um, and look, he he's deserves this chance. And uh, I think he's gone and it was, up, I think I mentioned in some of the quotes, it was up to us to make this work with Poe because he really wanted it and he deserves the chance to go where he wants to go and, and sort of further his career after what he's done for us as a football club. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's a very good level, um, uh, you know. But he's a very good player. What is it about uh, Dean's game that you think will make him successful um, in Europe? I think um, we all know what he can do on the ball. Um, he's up there with the absolute best in our competition, taking players on. Um, his left foot and his delivery. When you look at I think it's that goal in the, in the bubble in Winnipeg that sort of whipped ball in for Lowell to get on top of and, and like put phenomenal header in. But like his ability to deliver um, from those wide positions is incredibly impressive. And I think he's going to now be challenged to sort of take people on and hit that byline a little bit more and do even more and, and keep progressing, keep going as a player. I think this season under Martin, um, our entire back four is something that's evolved. And I think the defensive side of his game has, has improved in this short period this year as well. So I think, look, he, he's got to go on and um, it will be a challenge for him to go and contribute in a new environment. 
then cement starting place um, and then become an absolute mainstay of that team and, and look for his next progression beyond Poe as well. Yeah, the, I think the, the next progression beyond Poe is an interesting one as well. Um, I want to ask a little bit about kind of this level he's going to. He's got the technical quality, I think, which is important at, at that kind of level in those leagues in Europe. But Angus, you've mentioned this before. It's also a, a very heavily scouted league, right? And it, that's also kind of part of it that, you know, uh, hopefully he goes over there and impresses. And then maybe there's there's an even bigger move, a next step up for this young player, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, French League Two has the like the Kante factor in terms of, like everyone knows the story of uh, of his recruitment um, and sort of like I think you speak to not just guys at Leicester City but fifty scouts around England. He was top of everyone's list, but it's up to someone to pull the trigger on him. Um, and that league in particular for the French, the French top division, for the Premier League, for others. Um, it tends to be on the younger side. He's in a younger team at Poe there as well. So uh, people look at it, people watch it. And I think uh, he's got a real opportunity to go succeed and excel there. And speaking of an opportunity to, to go and excel, another one of your players, um, Lowell Wright, getting called up for the, the Canadian U20 team. Um, a massive opportunity for him. And also, you know, what does that mean for... Or what has the league kind of meant for those Canadian youth national teams? Because I can't remember the last time a player has come in with, you know, about 42 games of pro experience to, to play for the Canadian youth national teams as, as Lowell does. And uh, that's a, you know, that's a, a big thing for, for the team. Yeah, I think so. I think it's massive. And I think it's something that um, it's not going to be an anomaly. Um, we want it to be the norm in terms of like, look, it, we're looking at an under 20s team um, and a kid with 40 plus professional appearances. That's actually, in terms of in Europe, that can be the norm for like each national team playing at this level will have one of those guys playing at that level. That's the norm. And we've got the opportunity with our commitment to under 21 minutes to actually make this like not an anomaly. We should have five Lowell rights on every roster between now and 2026 and and even more beyond that um, because we've got the opportunity to give these guys first team minutes develop and do something for Lowell this is a big tournament um, as you say he's he's got those professional appearances under his belt he turns 19 in the summer in August which is just ridiculous when I think about it even just having known him for the last few years and uh, and everything there that he's still not 19 years old um, but he's he's got a real opportunity. And look, we, we've just moved Absey. Um, Lowell's had some pretty considerable interest and we've had some discussions on him with clubs in the last couple of weeks um, in various areas of, of Europe, in Scandinavia, in sort of uh, Germany with uh, Bundesliga development teams and things there. So, look, it's a real platform for Lowell. Um, and with what he's done already um, and with ultimately the success of Canadian men's national teams, this is a huge opportunity for him um, and for all of the guys in that squad. And uh, it's great that the Canadian Premier League have six players um, who've seen league action this year in it. And I think we're going to look to absolutely increase that year on year as, as this programme goes. And not just for Lowell, this under-20s group. I mean, if these guys qualify, that opens up the... Max Ferraris, Isaiah Johnson, Cedric Toussaints, who right now are in a bit of limbo um, because of COVID and everything else. There's not a 23s program of competitive games that they walk into unless the under 20s perform. So there, there are sort of like beyond this for us and where we look at it, Osaze fits into that group as well now. But like there is real opportunity and, and real significance. It's not just this age group. It's this sort of 23s and that little sort of gap where those guys didn't have tournaments and things because of COVID that they now sort of need their buddies to uh, go and pull something out of the bag and do something special here so that they have national programs to participate and play in as well. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting maybe peculiarity of this particular under-20 tournament, right? For anybody who doesn't know, you know the the semi-final or the i believe the finalists from this tournament go to the 2024 olympics which is an under 23 tournament right not an under 21 um you know guys you mentioned earlier just you guys as a club york your commitment specifically to 
to the under 21 minutes, you're at the moment well ahead of the rest of the pack. You're the first team to pass that 2000 minute mark. It's been important to this club, I think, for a long time. But when the other younger players on your side see, you know, things like Diadine getting his move or Lowell getting these these call ups, it's got to be encouraging for them, right, to see, you know, what that that people are watching, right? That there are those opportunities, and then even for the future, when there's other players that are, are you know, interested in in playing for York and and other players that you might want to recruit, this is all kind of something that can snowball, right? Yeah, absolutely. Look, when you've got players moving out, you've got roster space that's created. And people want to go where, yes, success on the field and winning. And I think uh, the guys at Forge have done a good job with that. Pacific have done a good job with that with some of their recruitment as well. And guys coming in, winning helps um, because you get access to continental competition. But also with your recruitment, moving players on helps. And um, obviously when you have players move out, whether it's injury or whether it is sell-on, there's movement back in to the club. And uh, we'll have some news on that in terms of some movement inside um, and some guys coming into the club now to, to bolster things with this over the next couple of weeks. One of which is, a, I, I think, a really, really great, high potential young Canadian who's uh, coming back to Canada to play for us. And we'll hopefully get that one announced tomorrow, but also some international players who moves like this shine a light on us as a stepping stone and a platform and that people are watching our club. And that's fantastic. Angus, just very, very quickly before we let you go, um, a big match coming up for you guys. Obviously not overlooking the Pacific one, but uh, against Vancouver in the Canadian Championship semifinals. Um, what did you guys maybe learn from from the match against Toronto FC last year? Uh, but also, you know, this uh, a crazy run, honestly, that it's been so far with the, the two penalty shootout wins. Yeah, um, it's funny, actually. The Obviously, the, the drama at the end in... Pacific. Um, I was really, really happy that obviously we got buying penalties, mainly because um, and Mid will hate me for this because it's probably the goal of his career. Um, it's offside. There's a player in front of Nico that steps over the ball, so it shouldn't have been given. Um, so there's that bit there. So we would have felt a bit hard done by if we hadn't gone through. Um, but the uh, look, it, it's been a wild ride in terms of like the, the game in Ottawa. Um, Shock Oro, a draw against Ottawa, and then we sneak through on, on penalties. Um, and then the game against Pacific, I think, unusual situation, playing them Friday, Tuesday um, in that little window as well. So um, it's it's really exciting um, going into the game in Vancouver next week, but there is no eyes off sort of Pacific at the weekend, mainly because, um, yeah, we're thin right now in terms of like the injuries and while we've got Max coming back um, and things there, it's it, it has been quite attritional this period so far, and um, no no massive reason for it other than I think um, guys are getting their bodies used to this rhythm again. Um, last year nobody trained much; it was sort of your your midweek weekend football, and so the change of that rhythm again after a pretty long off season and inactivity. Um, it, it's challenging. And then we also didn't have a great pre-season of preparation with um, a couple of COVID cases through the squad, uh, a couple of injuries that meant someone like Mateo Hernandez is really only just settling in now, um, having got his concussion in pre-season and then his suspension. Um, and then you've got Lissandra coming in. So we've got to find a bit of rhythm. And uh, But really, really happy with the way the group is progressing. Um, the defensive record is something that the guys are rightfully very proud of. Um, and it's up to us now to try and flick the switch on the other end of the field as well and go into a, a massive week for for us as a club. And um, really quite proud to represent this league in the, the sort of the final four here, the semi-finals. Yeah, absolutely. A massive, uh, like you said, a massive week for the club and a massive day for Canadian soccer as uh as you know uh, the the draw today so in or sorry the the venues announced today so enjoy that and uh, thank you so much for for joining us today cheers guys thanks so much thanks yeah well we'll uh, say goodbye to to angus mcnab and bring on uh, alexandre conge ruzek to uh, get uh, get his thoughts on on everything edmonton halifax a, a very interesting game uh alex 
Edmonton has to win at some point, don't they? Like it's two weeks now where it just seemed like the Hollywood story was going to happen and they just, just weren't able to get it done. Yeah. Edmonton's playing some, I mean, uh, maybe not just getting the, the results that they, they desire. I mean, it was tough to watch for the first 55 minutes. They were all over Halifax. They, they were dominant in the first half. They're racking up chance after chance. Some of them were just, they, they got the one nil. And then there were some chances where they were so close to get it to the two nil in the first half. Then in the second half, they even had a three on one right when it was one nil. And then, Five ten minutes later, it was two one Halifax, all bit uh, because a bit of a Sam Salter magic. So it's really unfortunate for Edmonton because you look, it's like Alan Koch said. He said this was the most frustrating result of them all, just because his team played so well and, and looked to be the better team for for most of the night. But five ten minutes cost them, and that's just the reality of the sport. You have to be you know on from from minute one to minute 90 to get a result and i mean i guess in halifax's case if everything goes right you only need five ten minutes but uh edmonton right now is the, the process is coming together but it's everything but the the results especially on a game like this yeah it's certainly deflating i think to you know be so close to lead for quite a while in this game and then all of a sudden i think it's two goals and what is it like not even 10 minutes and suddenly they're they're on the back foot and they're losing uh and it's kind of a you know that that familiar feeling again which is unfortunate for a young team who is looking for kind of points to build around um but you know i i think just if we if we stay on edmonton for a couple seconds here alex just maybe we can get a little more specific into the kind of football they've been playing the improvements that we're seeing from them because you know they started the season they played in this very, very conservative kind of back five sort of formation, and they made it very difficult for other teams to break them down. But we're seeing them maybe come out of their shell a little bit more recently. You know, you mentioned Mamadi Kamara, obviously, as a player who, you know, is, is kind of a focal point in the attack. He can hold the ball up. He can score them himself. Just what are you seeing from the way that this Edmonton side has kind of changed and improved over, you know, the couple months of this season? Yeah, it's been uh, quite impressive to, to see because they started the year, like you mentioned, very, you know, the 5-3-2 was defensive. It was get try to get the wing backs up the pitch, try to get something going in midfield, but it was mostly direct and then play it forward. And then we saw the evolution of the 4-4-2. So it's like, okay, they're still defending, but, you know, an extra body and attack, try to get things going that way. And now... We've kind of seen this next evolution, and it all kind of begins with with Mamadi Kamara up front. Absolutely, I mean he's a, a midfielder by trade. Uh, it's someone I've been following for a while, back to his SFU days. Always been a very dominant midfielder. He got drafted in, in you know into MLS for the San Jose Earthquakes back in the day, and then played in, in USL. He was playing the number six for Edmonton just you know a month ago, and then for whatever reason, Alan Koch, very familiar with Kamar, has worked with him for, I think it was almost four or five years. So it's a, it's a partnership that they've uh, enjoyed the fruits of for a while and just moves them up front. And now all of a sudden they look like a, a, a whole different team. But at the same time, I'm not that surprised. I mean, Edmonton has had the talent. We've seen what Tobias Warshuski has been doing, and he wasn't even in the lineup in this game. You see some of the players like Gabriel Batar, what he's been able to do, Kamara, you know, Shamit Shom back healthy. Wesley Timoteo has been a revelation. Kind of all the pieces were there, but they just kind of didn't have the system to suit them. All of a sudden, through Kamara up front, who kind of brings them in as a true hold-up striker, uh, uh, kind of shows attributes for a number nine, it feels like their offense is finally clicking and there's possession patterns. There's, you know, confidence on the ball. There's holding up the ball in midfield and then playing it out wide, whereas before it was just kind of hit and hope and maybe get the ball to Tobias Wyszewski and let him do his thing, whereas now there's a bit of a system, there's a bit of coherence, and it makes for a lot more smoother, fluid soccer, which I'm sure Alan Koch has been very pleased to see, as he mentioned. Yeah, let's get the thoughts of uh, FC Edmonton head coach Alan Koch after this one. Um, I thought we played well for the first 30 minutes. Um, we probably should have been three or four nothing up. Uh, and if you're three or four nothing up at 30 minutes into the game, you're probably going to go win that game. Um, I think a bit of naivety in uh, final third moments uh, disappointed us in the first 30 minutes. And then if you ever leave a good team, which every team that we play against uh, in this league is a good team, uh, you allow them uh, hope uh, and give Halifax credit. Uh, they were definitely the better team in the final 45 minutes. 
Yeah, the better team in the the final forty five for for Halifax, and finally uh, an away victory for for Stephen Hart's side. It's been something they've been chasing for a long time. Um, Alex, what did you make for their from their performance, and maybe specifically the the play of Samuel Salter, who continues to? I think you did a great job in, in your analysis of highlighting. Continues to play a, a somewhat unique position, but uh, is doing so very very well. Yeah, I mean, I think for for Halifax, maybe not the start they anticipated. It was a bit quiet, a bit flat. I mean, you could kind of tell they were missing Andrew Rampersad in, in midfield through suspension. Uh, but then once they started to grow, you could kind of see the, the the pieces come together. Jeremy Gagnon, Lapare in the second half, really, you know, brought brought Marcelo Polisi around him. Uh, you know, Pierre Lamoth. They started to grow from the game, and then it all kind of came together through Salter, like you mentioned, and. I mean, we're going to have to coin the term. I think from from a CPL perspective, I, I'm going to call it the Taron Campbell role, the the kind of big man <laughs> who's more of a number nine. You shuttle him out wide in a bit of a, a unique role. Also, if you want another Canadian perspective, we can call it the Kyle Laren role for, for, for Besiktas. I've been loving it because it, it's a great role in terms of you're a big number nine. Maybe there isn't room for you in the lineup or you don't want you, you know, someone like Salter, he's a big guy, but he isn't necessarily physical. He's not a guy who's going out there and, wearing down defenders back to goal you know battling for 50 50s all night long well when you put him out in the this bit of a wide forward role it kind of allows you to escape that but you're still in this position where you can kind of hide between the fullbacks and the center backs uh, you know use your size in a mismatch over the fullbacks it's really great for crosses and i don't think there's any better example of that than the two goals i mean the first one he just kind of glides into the box and everyone forgets that he's there at the back post it's an easy tap in for for Jeremy Gagnon Lapare to find him for the goal. And then you look at the the second goal, fantastic ball from Colin Gander who finds him, but Salter's just in between everyone. He's kind of, the center backs kind of left him because they're like, okay, we don't have to worry about him. The full backs were, were, were way too wide or the left backs are in that case were, was too wide. Salter's just wide open in that channel, you know, top class finish from him. Don't get me wrong. Like it was a very, very impressive finish, but he finds that those sort of pockets that that role allows. And I think if you saw what Taron Campbell was able to do with Pacific last year, it's a role that's very useful if you can find a way to make the most of it. And I think Stephen Hart, considering that Salter's up to four goals now, five, if you include the TFC game, he's been making the most of it. Yeah. Let's hear from uh, Halifax coach Stephen Hart after this match. Yeah, um, it, it, it was it was difficult. Um, you know, uh, we we knew that they were they were well rested, and when we're coming off of a of a game, we in the first half we we uh, we got scored on early, and it, it, it rattled us a bit. I, I, I thought we weren't uh, we weren't cautious on the ball. We were we weren't accepting the responsibility to to, to keep the ball and. Um, and we were really, we were really struggling in the first half. I, I think uh, a little bit fortunate to come off uh, one nil, um, but much, much better, much better second half, much, much better. Well, uh, thanks for for joining us, Alex. Uh, yeah, always great to to get your insight on on all things uh, West Coast. Awesome, right? Absolutely. Well. Um, I think uh, I think by and large, um, as we transition now to, to Halifax's other game of the week, I think they can actually be reasonably happy with with how this road swing yeah. went. I mean, it was a it was a tough loss, obviously to to Cavalry, but a game where, especially in the first half, uh, I thought they were really really good against a, a Cavalry side that you know uh, it's it's crazy that we're only forty three or we're forty three minutes into the show and we're only starting to talk about Cavalry, but yeah, you know how good true. they've been recently. Um, so uh, again, I think if you're you're Stephen Hart, you have to be mostly pleased with with what you saw from from your side this week. I think so. I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, you play these two games in a row, and you definitely want at least something out of this road trip. And they got it. They got the win in Edmonton, which was by no means easy. Uh, so again, I think I think there's definitely a lot of progress there. Um, that that game in in Calgary, uh, it's always going to be a tough one against probably the most informed team in the league at the moment, as we're probably going to get to. Uh, the Halifax midfield is really good. They obviously. They had Andre Rampersad for that game, which they didn't have in Edmonton, which you can kind of see makes such a massive difference for this club. Um, 
Halifax have often been a team that play cavalry difficult uh, at Spruce Meadows. You know, they're the two teams in the league that play on grass. I think is probably probably important to that to that kind of dynamic. Um, but again, you know, I think Halifax they they'll want to maybe improve on those set pieces and, and things like that. But otherwise, there's a lot of progress in how this team is looking at the moment versus how they looked maybe a month ago. Yeah, absolutely. And on a cavalry side of things, uh, if you're watching the show, you see on the screen right now just their latest, uh, <laughs> their, their latest player to um, really come out of the woodwork and and start playing well. And that is young Arab and Pepple, obviously a player who you know spent time in in Spain, um, had a whole bunch of trials, had quite the had quite the trip across Europe with trialing with several clubs uh, before playing with Hitafe's uh, U19s for for a short amount of time and now back in the Canadian Premier League and back in the goals in a, in a massive massive way. Um let's let's hear from Arabim uh, after that match against Halifax. <laughs> so yeah, the goal um once I kind of saw it come over my head, I always me and my dad always talk about you just try and find space in the box. So I knew potentially because with Choco and even Mason, those guys are big guys. So they're always looking to head it back across. And then when it came back, it was kind of just instinct, just hit it. And thankfully it went in. And then the bicycle kick, uh, just playing in the backyard, my brother, you're always trying stupid things. So the confidence is flowing. And I don't know if it was even close. I couldn't really see, but I said, let me just try it. So yeah. Erwin Peppel almost made Charlie wear his bike helmet uh, on the show this week. There was also some <laughs> debates about the Walter Ponce goal uh, between Calvary and Valor as to whether that was a, a bicycle kick. But um, yeah, we'll get to I, that. I think, yeah, we will get to that. Uh, I think uh, the the main thing, though, is this is another player for Cavalry who's stepped up and is getting goals. And I think at this point in the season, I think depth is really starting to win out in the Canadian Premier League. We're looking at sides like Atletico Ottawa, who I think, honestly, in some ways, are also getting very lucky injury-wise and have been uh, been solid in that way, but have shown a lot of depth. Uh, Forge, obviously, Cavalry. And then you're looking at sides like Pacific and York, who might have slipped a little bit. Again, unlucky on the injury side, but haven't been able to quite play up to their standard with a couple of key guys out. I think that's really where where we're getting at this stage in the season. Yeah, I think it is. And you look at Cavalry and they're a team that actually has been battered by some bigger injuries. You know, Tom Field, Anthony Novak, Joe Chiara all kind of going down before the season even really starts. And and then they've had other players that, you know, haven't been able to, to you know, play every match or start every match. Even Sergio Camargo uh, is working his way back and we know how talented a player he is. Um, but they've still managed to get results with the players that they have and not only that but they're able to bring on difference makers later in games mm-hmm. as well which has really really fallen in their favor a lot because it's not something that every cpl team is able to do at the moment and tommy wielden jr kind of spoke about it after you know the valor game we're not necessarily on that yet but he spoke about how they put two different kind of attacking structures forward with similar personnel but in different places right joe mason plays as a 10 against halifax He's and he got Pepple in front of him as a nine. And then the next game against Valor, Joe Mason's up front and Pepple's on the wing, right? So they've got all these different options with the same players because they're just flexible. Uh, and, and I think that's going to go a long way for this team as well. Yeah, certainly will. And I know you're trying to jump ahead, but let's hear from Tommy Wilden Jr. after the Halifax match uh, this week. It's not a bad embarrassment of riches, is it? Uh... <laughs> like these dolls that no matter who you put up there they're, they're, they're scoring so if it, was a, if it was a golden boot on shared goals I think we'd have it but uh, what it does is it keeps Maya Bevan who sat in the stands today keeps him hungry you know Joe Mason played a deeper role for us today because that's what the team needed and, and did smashing um, could have had one himself and Arabim's just confident so as coaches it makes our life easier you go with the ones on confident and uh, and he, he, he had a terrific performance, but I think beyond just his goals, I think his, his general play was impressive today as well. I'm not going to lie. I still don't understand his dolls uh, analogy there, but anyway, well, doll, I, I don't really. Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, there you I go. don't get how it applies. I know what he's referring to, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at any rate, what, what I do understand is, is how great Calvary has been lately. And another win again last night uh, against Valor and, um, this was a this was a 
really entertaining game. One where, I mean, early on, it looked like Calvary were going to really, really run away with this. I mean, they had a goal very early. Uh, Elliot Simmons hit the hit the post, and, you know, it looked like this was going to get ugly. Yeah. And in some ways it was, but at least Valor, um, they, they have a couple of, of nice goals as well to, uh, to their name as well. Yeah, I don't think Valor will... Uh be too thrilled with coming out of it with good goals, but still losing four, two. Um, yeah. It, it looked like it did have the uh, capacity to get kind of ugly in the early stages, you know, even cavalry tweeting out, you know, we, we just need six more for another eight nil, <laughs> which was as maybe ambitious, but, but yes, uh, very funny. Yeah. It, it's just cavalry's efficiency, which, you know, we spoke about them last year as a team that, was inefficient with the ball and an attack. You know, they'd get to that attacking third and they'd run out of ideas. They'd, you know, it would end up in kind of a weaker cross or, or, or kind of a, it would go out of harm's way, miss the net, go straight into the keeper's arms or something. This year, it seems like they're a little bit more ruthless. They've got more of that killer instinct with those players in the attack. And, but I, I think maybe the main number one thing and probably the thing that made the difference in this game is just a set pieces. Mm -hmm. I think for, for the two games we're talking about, uh, they scored five goals and four of them come from set piece plays. Right. Uh, And, you know, Tommy, every time we ask, he shouts out Leon Hapgood, who's the assistant coach who is clearly in charge of that this year. Um, So all the credit in the world to him. And it's, you know, it, it helps with how confident these cavalry players are at the moment that they can pull off these maybe more elaborate routines where, you you've you've got Jose Escalante delivering it to a specific player, and he's looking to to play it into the path of another guy making the right run. Uh, you know, we've got things like Joe Mason hiding offside on I think it was the fourth goal for Cavalry here, and he he comes just onside by the time the ball is struck, so he can flick it over the top to Arab and Peppel. It's just so impressive the kind of different things that they can they can show from those those dead ball routines. So just really, if you are a team playing cavalry i would strongly advise not fouling them anywhere on the pitch <laughs> or giving them a single corner uh much easier said than done but like at this point it's just ruthless how they're able to just kill you in so many ways from those dead balls yeah Stephen hart spoke about that before uh his match against calvary saying i mean we'd love to limit their their opportunities in dead ball situations but that's just so hard to do over the course of of games so teams are going to have to yeah. really prepare and and find other ways to do that but you mentioned leon uh half good shout outs let's let's hear another one why not from from tommy Wilson Jr. <laughs> like you said whether it's the attacking the way we're, we're playing and building the ball out to whether we're defending our pressing I was really happy with, and then the set plays are just the ice on the cake. What it shows to us now is every part of our game, the guys are committing to, and you know, again, credit to, to Leon Apgood who's been working on that stuff and just having a few maverick plays. And like I said the boys are feeling confident, so anytime they put the ball down, it's a great opportunity. And uh, and yeah, we like it. it. It gives us different ways to score goals. Cavalry, of course, now tying a club record uh, for most consecutive undefeated games with with seven um they'll obviously have a chance to to continue that uh going forward and and you know no evidence to to think they won't but speaking of of records um a big one for the canadian premier league this this week is six players with canadian premier league um are on canadian premier league rosters two more with canadian premier league ties called up to the canada u20 side charlie just how big is that for for the league and you know it's it's exposure at this point Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. I think, you know, just we should probably just name them all to give name them credit. The players. Yeah, got, yeah, that would have been got, a good We got Lowell Wright. Sure. Obviously, we've spoken about it at York. There's Matt Catavolo at Valor. Uh, Cam Habibula from Pacific. He's obviously on loan there from the Whitecaps. John Aniela C uh, in Calvary. He's on loan from Montreal. And then Forge have have two guys in Kwesi Poku and, and Dino Bontis. And I think that's six right that i don't is, think i'm missing anybody no. uh, and if i am i'm sure i'll hear about it fairly quickly <laughs> but yeah just these are all players that you know a lot of them have ties to to former canadian youth national team setups they play you know under 17s under 16s whatever they've been to camps and things like that but at the end of the day you know the fact that Canada is looking to the CPL for these kinds of camps and they're able to call on these players who are in professional environments playing, you know, high quality games against, you know, pro teams rather than development teams week in and week out. It's just a massive game changer for this system. I think 
uh, Mitch, you obviously you wrote something about this the other day, but I think it was Bobby Smirniotis who spoke mm-hmm. a bit about how you know these under twenty teams, these youth teams used to come from like three places, and that would be pretty much the three MLS academies in Canada, and they'd be players who really hadn't played a lot of actual games heading into it, right? But when you've got the CPL to call, and, and obviously there's there's a lot of talent coming in from European based clubs as well, which is mm-hmm. also you know, a, a massive, massive improvement and a good sign, but to have these CPL options to call on, even for MLS teams to loan players to, to get those kind of professional minutes, it's only good things for the Canadian youth team and the future of the national team, right? Yeah, Bobby did mention that as well, like just the diversity of different players coming in from so many different environments. You, you still have the MLS guys who are obviously still going to be important and and we're certainly not discounting those academies and their importance, but you've got these yeah. Canadian Premier League guys who... Uh, again, have these pro minutes. And I mean, if you're looking at a guy like Kwesi Boku, he's had the CONCACAF experience. He's played at Estadio Azteca. Yeah. Um, that, that that kind of little thing is is critical in, in matches, you know, down in Honduras. We saw earlier this week some of the challenges that uh, those matches can present. So the more experience you have in in those sort of ways is, is absolutely huge. And um, is there a player in particular of this group that... Uh, you're, you're really looking at uh, in terms of having, you know, a big tournament? Uh, well, it's probably Lowell, but we've spoken about him a lot. He's, he's very <laughs> talented. As we've said, he's got so much professional experience at his age, which is remarkable. Um, you know, Cameron Habibula is a very talented technical player as well, who I think uh, is going to play a big role for this team. And, and Catavolo as well has a lot of experience with other youth national team setups but i think the main maybe the main thing here is that like all of these guys are going to get an opportunity at this tournament this mm-hmm. is not a massive squad and yeah. every single player i think is going to have to play a role because when you look at the the schedule you know canada they play cuba on saturday they play the us on the monday and then they play st kitts on the wednesday that's that's a game every two days <laughs> in uh a group the group stage of a, a knockout tournament like you need every player to play a role in that period. So I think everybody's going to get a chance. I, I, the CPL players in particular, uh, most of them, they probably have more experience playing games on short turnarounds than some of the academy players, right? Who maybe haven't just played as many games, period, recently. So that's going to be massive. And I think it's going to be important for Mauro Biello, the coach, to call on all of these guys. And because, you know, there's not a lot of margin for error either in this tournament because you need to you know get through to that knockout stage you basically you obviously want to get to the semifinals and then to the finals to qualify for the under 20 world cup and then the olympics so not a lot of margin for error for error but the games come so thick and fast that every player is going to be important yeah i thought i thought a great point from angus as well earlier on on the knock-on effect of how important this tournament is where you know it's not just the u20 guys and the opportunity that they would all have to then go to a world cup it's also that that next generation the u23s and um obviously an olympic games i think would be massive for the men's side i've said this for for a lot of years like um especially in the the you know the kind of casual soccer fandom in in canada like canadians understand the olympics we've obviously seen the incredible things that our women's side has done with three straight medals and obviously gold of this past olympics and just to have a men's side there as well would increase the visibility by so much so this is a massive tournament for for canada soccer and obviously great for our league that uh, so many of those players, you know, are, are representing it. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we'll start to wrap things up here and, and look ahead to the weekend where three games in the Canadian Premier League, York, uh, as we talked about with Angus, they're hosting Pacific on Saturday at 4 p.m. And then a double header on Sunday as Forge travel to Wanderers Ground where they'll play HFX, looking to avenge, or well, HFX will be, of course, looking to avenge that 4-0 drubbing last time the Hamilton team came to town. And evidently that's a... Uh, you know that's something that's pretty rare at the Wanderers Ground, so uh, that we <laughs> yeah. uh, that we find that again. Um, and uh, then, uh, of course, um, Atletico Ottawa—they're traveling to Edmonton, so another opportunity for them to to continue their streak, add that to to six unbeaten in the league. Um, all of those games, of course, available on One Soccer, as will the U twenty games as well. Um, just want to mention that. Make sure to get that in because uh, obviously, I think uh, myself, Charlie, and all of you will be will be tuning into those big games uh, as we mentioned for the program. Yeah. Um, and let's uh, let's finish up by looking at the standings here. And uh, obviously, uh, as we said, Cavalry 
at the top, Pacific, Atletico Ottawa, and uh, Forge making up the other playoff spots as it is right now. Halifax just outside right now, and you know that's a big game for them. You know they'll want to be uh, pushing Forge for that four spot. And then Valor, uh, a bit of a slip, as we mentioned, from York United as they've uh, obviously not been able to score in their last five. And Edmonton still looking for that first win, but it's coming. It's got to be coming. Um, surely in, in the league um but let's uh let's wrap things up uh here and uh thank you so much again for angus McNabb joining us from new york where you know we'll have we'll have more news on later on the podcast and later on um at canpl.ca about uh, all the happenings there with the fifa world cup thanks to benedict rhodes and alex gongay ruzik um you know a lot of exciting stuff coming up this week, as we mentioned, the games, the World Cup venues, the U-20s, the Canadian Championship quarterfinals as well in the next little bit. Semifinals. Oh, sorry, semifinals. <laughs> yeah, semifinals as well <laughs> in the next little bit. So uh, make sure to head over to campiel.ca. We'll have full coverage on that. On behalf of Charlie O'Connor-Clark and the entire campiel.ca newsroom, have a great weekend, everyone, and enjoy the games. Just towards Yao. Heads it across, Pepple! What a finish! Forge still moving forward, it's Ashton Morgan in close! Here's one, yeah, looking for Borges! It's two! Deflected! What a stop from Ingham! And the finish from West Timoteo! There's the pass, the post at the back is where we find Sam Salter! Pretty good ball and on Salter! What a finish that is! There's a strike from well out from Sergio Camargo. Head down, Pulse with an acrobatic shot. It's off the foot of Mason Trafford and into the back of the net. Valor with a chance here and it's into the back of the net.